there's no greater feeling. This is such a special honor. And I think it's one of the greatest honors that, of my life, definitely up until this point, to be able to lead this team. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Let's get a wellness check. Let's, let's do a checkup here when we start the show. How's everybody doing? Right, are we holding up okay? We're not stressing too much, not worrying too much about the game coming up this weekend. Or the Bucks. I mean, the Bucks lost last night. I hope you're not bent out of shape about that. No, a lot of Packer fans, they really hate waiting. Like, they, it just drives them nuts. I see you guys on Twitter. You can't hold it together when the Packers play at 315 because you got to wait three hours. Like, I know the waiting drives some of you crazy, and I'm sure some of you don't care. But I know a lot of Packer fans, they're just driven crazy waiting for the game, waiting for the game. And I know we got five more days. Packers playing in the NFC Championship game, a trip to the Super Bowl on the line coming up Sunday. And I know some of you, the wait is just driving you crazy. Look, I'm not going to tell you not to stress. I'm not going to tell you to, to be carefree. This is a big game, right? It's it's weighing on me a little bit too. I'm, I'm a little bit worried about it as well, but worrying about it ain't going to make get here any faster. Enjoy the process, right? That, that's my advice to you. Enjoy every day this week. Enjoy watching the interviews with the players and the coaches and listen to this show every day and listen to the morning show or listen to your favorite podcast and, and read everything about this team. Right, we think. Consider how much time and how much emotional stock and, and even money that we spend on the Packers. The Packers, what, play 20, 20 games a year if we're lucky? It's a, it's a very insignificant uh, time in our life. The, the Packers only play, uh, you know, two dozen, a little bit less than two dozen times a year. You got to enjoy the process, not just the game. So I know we're all worried about the game coming up this weekend, and I'm sure the wait is driving you crazy. We got five more days to go, but just... Take a deep breath and let's enjoy the here and now. Let's enjoy the conversations we have on this show and enjoy your favorite podcast and your favorite sports writer and enjoy the process, right? Because when you look back at this very special season, the one thing you don't want to do is be like, oh man, I wish I wish I would have enjoyed it more. I wish I would have soaked it in. So that's my advice to start the show. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills and I hope you're having a wonderful night. I hope you're not stressing about this game too much. A little stress is good, right? Healthy stress healthy anxiety. We do worry about big events and big things going on in our lives. And we don't think it's lame. I'm sure some people think it's lame that we get bent out of shape and, and stressed about a sports team, but that's what we do, right? And that's why we're here. That's why we talk about Wisconsin sports for two hours every night on the Wisco Sports Show. Excellent, excellent two hours ahead of us. We have a lot of interesting conversation to have. I want to talk about Matt LaFleur a little bit. I do want to talk about the Bucks because they did play a very interesting game last night. I said if, if last night's game was interesting, we'd talk about them for a little bit. And it was a great game. The Bucks didn't win, but it was a great game. So we're going to spend about 10 minutes on that. I want to talk more about Devontae Adams, a realization that I had yesterday. Uh, and we're going to hear from Aaron Rodgers as well because it's a Pat McAfee Tuesday. And he chatted with A.J. Hawk and Pat McAfee and, and everybody else on that, that excellent show on Sirius XM Radio, telling some stories about Saturday's game and, of course, looking to the NFC Championship game that lies ahead in five days. So that's kind of the roadmap. That's the game plan. I would love to hear from you. Send me a text, 608-796-2558. Tweet at me, at Wisco Grant as well. I want to start with the NFL, the Packers, but the NFL big picture. Uh, this morning, I was I was drinking my tea. It was about 9 a.m. I had a Zoom call for work this morning. I'm sure you 
you do this. The, the work schedules kind of got bent out of shape in 2020, 2021. Like I have Zooms and I do things in the morning before I ever come into the, to the office. Right, like I had a Zoom at nine, and then I made breakfast, and I and I hung out for an hour or two, and then I got to the building at around eleven. Right, so I was drinking my tea this morning, and I was trying to figure out what are we going to start with tonight, right? Because I, I I knew I wanted to obviously hear from Aaron Rodgers. He's on the Pat McAfee show, and we've kind of followed that schedule as well. And I knew I wanted to talk about Devontae Adams. There were two big talking points that I wanted to hit, but I'm like, those aren't. We're not going to lead the show with that. Right, what, what are we going to start with? What's the big story today? And I was unsure, right? I was, was trying to figure it out. I, I couldn't. And then as I sit in my kitchen by myself, I, I find an article by Nora Princiati in The Ringer. It's called Matt LaFleur. Well, the, the, the teaser line is Matt LaFleur has fine-tuned the Packers offense and earned Aaron Rodgers' trust. The headline itself is Matt LaFleur aced the chemistry test with Aaron Rodgers. It's through The Ringer. Nora Princiati is one of the best. It's a, it's a great piece. It made me smile. It made me happy. And, and it's part of enjoying a playoff run, right? Reading about the details and really soaking it all in and not just biting your nails and waiting for Sunday, waiting for the game. So if you have a couple of minutes, I would recommend you go read it. Nora Princiati, it's at theringer.com. It's really good. It's a very quick read. It's very casual. It's, it's easy. It's fun. It'll put a smile on your face. And I was reading it. There's a detail in this piece about Matt LaFleur watching tape like right up until kickoff this last Saturday. He, specifically, he was watching tape on the Rams' two-minute drill. Right, Like, how do the Rams play defense for the two minutes at the end of the half? And how do they play offense as well? So in the event that the Packers get the ball, say with, I don't know, 50 seconds left, a couple of timeouts, how do the Packers go about their business? What's the strategy? That, that's the situation that Matt LaFleur was preparing for right up until kickoff. And interestingly enough, the Packers found themselves in that situation to end the first half, and they... Stole three points, got down the field with a big pass to Robert Tunyon, big pass to Devontae Adams, and then Crosby hit the field goal going into half. That was three points that that Matt LaFleur was prepared for. He was getting ready for that exact situation. And that was just one of a few interesting nuggets in this piece. But the piece as a whole by Nora Princiati got me thinking about coaching. Not just with the Packers, but in the NFL as a whole. And as I thought about it this morning, I, I got a little excited and I got a little grin on my face, and I and I feel lucky as a football fan living in 2021, although we don't have fans, and we can't really go to games, and, and certainly life isn't ideal right now. But in the, in the snow globe of sports, right, take everything else out, take real life out, politics, the pandemic, t- take it all out. We are living right now in an amazing time for NFL coaches. There are some really bright, creative, charismatic people in charge of NFL football teams right now. And that hasn't always been the case. It's ebbs and flows, right? It's the same with quarterbacks. Right now, we're in a pretty good era for quarterbacks. There's very few teams in the league that don't have a quarterback or don't have a plan to get a quarterback. Like, sure, the Jets or the Jags might not have a great quarterback, but they have a plan to get one. They know who they're taking in the draft, right? Probably Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, or maybe they trade one for Deshaun Watson or Matt Ryan. Like, most teams have a great quarterback. We're in a great era for quarterbacks. We're also in a great era for head coaches, I think those two are probably related, right? Good coaches make things easier for good quarterbacks and vice versa. But but I was thinking about this this morning. We're in an amazing time for NFL head coaches. And I want to forget championship weekend for a sec because the four teams left are the Packers, the Bills, the Buccaneers, and the Chiefs. Forget about championship weekend. Let's go back a couple of days. Let's go back to this previous weekend, the divisional round, and even talk about the teams that lost. All of these teams, with only an exception here and there, are really, really well-coached teams. 
There's a couple of veteran head coaches, and there's a couple of young head coaches, but all of these coaches are smart, they are resourceful, and they're progressive and forward-thinking in the way they design their game plans, and especially in the way that they call plays, because most head coaches are are offensive-minded. right? Even the losers this last weekend are coached really, really well. I think he might be a little overblown at times, but Sean Payton is a great offensive mind. He's sometimes a little over cocky, a little overconfident, maybe a little bit lax on the details, but he is a great offensive mind, and the Saints aren't letting him go anytime soon, no matter what's going on with Drew Brees. And by the way, the idea that Sean Payton wasted the prime of Drew Brees is, is ludicrous. They squeezed every drop of juice out of that lemon with Drew Brees, and I think that was apparent the last couple of years in the playoffs. They got Drew Brees to that level of the playoffs, not the other way around. But Sean Payton, even though he lost this weekend, really good offensive mind. And, and has a certain confidence and a certain swagger that even Shanahan or LaFleur or McVay don't even have. He's got a little personality in the way he coaches as well. We don't need to talk about Bounty Gate. Right? We all know that that happened. We've talk, talked about that plenty. Right? We could talk about both McVay and Brandon Staley. Staley is now the head coach of the Chargers after the Rams lost and, and he moved on from being the defensive coordinator for the Rams under Sean McVay. Both McVay and Staley are creative and they're progressive designers, right? Staley, we've talked about this, designs his defense from the back end to the front end. He worries about coverage and then, and then allows the defensive line to to kind of figure it out on their own. Easier done with Aaron Donald on the defensive line, but most defensive coordinators, like Jim Schwartz with the Eagles, it's traditionally been built front to back. You start with the defensive line and then you work your way back to the defensive backfield. Not the case. Staley has flipped it, and I think a lot of defensive coordinators are going to follow suit. McVay and Staley, really sharp, really smart coaches. Baltimore and John Harbaugh and Greg Roman, by extension, too, they've been sharp forever, right? Baltimore maybe was ahead of the curve on this, right? Finding extra opportunities to score on fourth down and extending drives and and avoiding field goals to go for it on fourth down, but also really being good on special teams, right? The Ravens have been doing that forever. Other teams are now starting to catch up, like, like Kevin Stefanski with the Browns. Kevin Stefanski is brilliant. And I tip my cap to the Vikings and the Vikings fans for developing this man into the head coach he is today. And he's one of the best decision makers that that remained in the playoffs. Right? If you talk about expected win probability uh, gained or lost by kicking field goals in, in go situations. So decision making in fourth down. Right? Did you lose a lot of expected win probability points by kicking? Or did you enhance your probability of winning by going for it? Right, The three best teams in the playoffs, hands down, the Packers, the Chiefs, and the Browns. Aggressive and going forward on fourth down when they should, and then kicking a field goal when that's the appropriate choice. Kevin Stefanski, all year long, crushing those decisions. When to kick, when to go. And that was last week. All of those coaches lost. We haven't gotten to the championship round this weekend. There are three stellar coached teams. One, I'm not so sure about. I'm not so sold on the Buccaneers. But I can speak to Green Bay. Why don't we start with the Packers? We've seen the difference with Lafleur, right? Like, I I don't need to dig up a bunch of statistics to show you the improvement that the Packers have made as a whole, but the, the improvement that Aaron Rodgers has made as well. From the end of the McCarthy regime to 2019, and especially this year in Lafleur's second season, guys are running wide open. You got 40-year-old Mercedes Lewis. There's nobody within six yards of him just sprinting down the sideline. Not a care in the world. Like a busted coverage in a flag football game. LaFleur is a brilliant play designer, a brilliant play caller by the admission of Aaron Rodgers, but he's also been good enough 
and clever enough and smart enough, and he's proven himself to the level where Aaron Rodgers has reverted into an in-rhythm passer. And he wasn't an in-rhythm passer, really, from 2015 to the end of the McCarthy era. Right? Aaron Rodgers has turned into, under Matt LaFleur, the best game manager in the NFL. Maybe not named Patrick Mahomes. That's not something that I thought Aaron Rodgers had in him, yet Matt LaFleur has made it happen. Let's talk about the Chiefs with Andy Reid in Kansas City. Andy Reid is not a mortal man as a play designer. He has always been brilliant, the way that he schemes guys open and really sometimes takes an unorthodox approach. Right, Get a little creative. Bends the rules a little bit. And his offense has now been supercharged with Mahomes, but also with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, who are two two of the... uh, the least coverable players in the entire NFL. He's aggressive on fourth down, even with Chad freaking Henny as his quarterback. And Andy Reid is always pushing the ball down the field, always being aggressive. Buffalo, one of the four remaining teams coached by Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott has become John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh and the Ravens have been doing this for years, but Buffalo is now caught up to Baltimore, and a lot of the league is caught up to, to Baltimore, finding extra points here and there throughout the course of the game by by going forward on fourth down and manufacturing points on special teams and and really being clever and finding the tiniest, smallest little advantages, the tiniest little pluses throughout the course of a four-quarter game. That's what Buffalo has gotten good at, something Baltimore was tremendous at for years, and now the rest of the league is catching up. I'm not sold on Bruce Arians and the Buccaneers, but we'll have lots of time to talk about them the rest of the week. I want to talk about Buffalo and, and really make a point here about how coaching... And and play calling and offensive design, it's it's evolving. Some teams are evolving, Green Bay, Kansas City, Buffalo. Other teams are falling behind. And it's very clear with the Buffalo Bills. Sean McDermott has done something that so clearly separates him as a smart, progressive coach. He's throwing the ball to Stephon Diggs. Like a, like a stupid amount. Like, like an amount that is above average, that, that seems wild. And Stephon Diggs is really good. That might seem like the obvious choice. Diggs, after all, led the league in receiving yards. Allen had a quarterback rating above 120 when targeting Diggs. That's Patrick Mahomes' territory, right? This may seem obvious to throw the ball to Stephon Diggs, but the thing is, it wasn't obvious to the Vikings. The Vikings lost four games last year in 2019, in which combined, Stephon Diggs only had 24 targets. That's two games in Buffalo this year. His volume has gone up, he's received more targets, and his team has won because of it. Meanwhile, the Vikings this season averaged 29 runs per game. Buffalo averaged 24, and Buffalo had 32 rushing yards in a playoff game on Saturday, which they won going away. I'm not not bringing the Vikings into this to rip the Vikings. My point is, there are smart teams that are evolving and changing, and they're not afraid to throw norms to the side. The idea that the run must be established. Let's, let's put that to the side. The idea that you need to play a physical brand of football and impose your will in the trenches. Maybe, maybe not. That, that, that's not a necessity in football, and we don't need to treat it like one. And the Bills, for example, aren't. And I just wonder if teams like the Vikings or the Bears or the Cardinals, non-playoff teams that that aren't terrible, like non-playoff teams that aren't the Jets and the Jags and the Lions, teams that are on the edge. Were they watching this weekend? Was was Mike Zimmer watching the Rams and the Packers this weekend? Because the Rams, I think, are the ideal version of Mike Zimmer's Vikings. Number one rushing attack, number one scoring defense, and what happened? They got clobbered in the second round by Green Bay, and Aaron Rodgers didn't even play that amazing. He played pretty good, and it still wasn't close. So is Minnesota and other teams like Chicago, in Arizona, 
are these teams going to continue to invest in defense and in the running game and, and try to be an old school football team? Or are they going to get wise and, and realize that, oh yeah, Green Bay, Kansas City, Buffalo, uh, even Cleveland to an extent, these teams have figured it out and they're not afraid to throw norms to the side and advance and be smarter and be more effective. A lot of good coaches in the NFL right now, but I just wonder about guys like Zimmer and Nagy and even Cliff Kingsbury. Are they willing to evolve with the rest of the league? Are they going to be stubborn? We've talked about this before. Football coaches are stupid, stupid stubborn. It's just what they are. That's that's what they do. Let's take a break. I want to continue to talk Matt LaFleur coming up next. Also chat a little bit about Devontae Adams and the outlook for him coming up this weekend, albeit not against Jalen Ramsey, but I want to talk about Devontae Adams uh, just the same. Let's take a break. We'll be right back here on the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills, and I am your host. I appreciate you hanging out. You can follow me on Twitter at Wisco Grant and text me 608-796-2558. Our buddy Sapper texted a video, actually, and it's the video of Devin White, the Buccaneers linebacker, after the game back in October. You maybe have seen this, talking about how Packers didn't deserve to be on the same field as the Buccaneers. So talking a little trash, a little bulletin board material. And Sapper, I appreciate you sending this in. Your caption makes me laugh. You say, please make this go viral. I, Sapper, I am honored that you think I can make anything go viral. <laughs> Man, I, I can't make anything go viral, but I appreciate your text. Yeah, we'll probably check that out at some point this week. Talk about bulletin board material. Fire the troops up a little bit. Uh, we can play that disrespect from Devin White at some point this week, I'm sure. We're talking about coaching, and, and I went on this long rant to start the show about how the NFL is moving. It's evolving. And sports always do this, right? I, ideas always change, and, and right? Like, we used to, like, think running backs were the biggest deal in the world, and obviously the opinion of running backs has changed a little bit, right? Like, our minds and our priorities about sports change. Right, that, That's what happens when we get smarter and we, and we get new information. And there's a lot of coaches in the league. LaFleur is one. Andy Reid, Sean McDermott, Kevin Stefanski, Sean McVay, Sean Payton. There's a lot of smart coaches in the league that are transitioning with the times. And they're changing their priorities and their style as head coaches to fit. And then there's some coaches who are being stubborn. And I reference Mike Zimmer. And it's very clear with the Stephon Diggs trade. Right, The Bills valued Stephon Diggs and weren't afraid to throw him the ball. The Vikings didn't want to throw him the ball. They wanted to run the ball and play defense. Well, you know, how'd that work out? Worked out pretty well for the Bills. The Vikings missed the playoffs this year. Yeah, I know they got Justin Jefferson out of the trade, so great. You know, hang a banner. You have Justin Jefferson, right? The Bills are in an AFC championship game. So that I'm not doing that to rip on the Vikings, right? And maybe some Vikings fans who are listening, maybe you're sharing my frustration. My point is, a lot of smart coaches, if you don't get smart and you don't evolve, you get left behind, and, and maybe Mike Zimmer is... Pete Carroll is teetering in that territory as well. Pete Carroll get old real fast in Seattle if he doesn't start to adapt. I thought because we were talking about coaching, we'd listen into Matt LaFleur a little bit. Not because I really care what Matt LaFleur has to say, but we can listen to what he says and see what jumps out to us, and then we can expand and elaborate, and, and we can turn it into a discussion. This is Matt LaFleur when he was asked about the Aaron Jones run coming out of halftime. Is that a plan that you uh, that you had going along? You wanted to get Aaron Jones involved early and, and hope for a big play? Was that the plan? I don't know if you're ever anticipating a run going for 60 yards, but, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was great, obviously. Um, you know, it was well blocked. Aaron Rodgers made a great decision on the play to not throw the run alert, to give it to Aaron Jones, and 
you know, he's a special back, and when he gets loose, he can make people miss, and he's got great speed, and certainly that, that definitely helped, uh, you know, kind of keep us going, you know, in the second half. Big plays are important, right? A 60-yard run to start the second half, that's that's a big play, right? You can put that in the home run category. I know he didn't score, but flipping the field on one run, that's a big play. That's a big deal. And I've talked about this a lot. I don't mean to sound like a broken record. Big plays are important. And this offense needs to hit as many home run type plays as possible. And it maybe is, is has been no more important all season than it will be this weekend against the Buccaneers. Not because Tampa's the best team they play, not because of Tom Brady, but specifically, this Tampa Bay defense just hits so hard. Antoine Winfield Jr. and Whitehead and Devin White, the linebacker, these guys, they're just physical. And the more you mess around, Dinkin and Duncan four or five yards at a time, the greater chance that, you know, Antoine Winfield comes in and pops the ball out like he did to Jared Cook on, on Sunday night. Right? So the, 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 the quicker that you can maneuver your way down the field in fewer plays, the smaller the chance of taking a big hit, getting injured, taking a big hit and fumbling the ball. You get my point. Big plays are important. Uh, moving along, Pete Doherty asked about the lack of wide receivers taken in the draft. I, because, because, of course, he did. Right? He, he asked Matt LaFleur what this season has told us about the other uh, wide receivers, running backs, and tight ends on this team, uh, especially after everyone expected the Packers to take a wide receiver in the draft. Yeah, we got a lot of great players on our roster, and you know our guys have gotten better and better, and that's a credit to the work they put in. I think uh, you know our coaches do a great job with them as well. So uh, you know, although our guys maybe not didn't get the respect they deserved, uh, you know, from the media, we knew what we had in terms of uh, the players that we had on our roster, and and also. Um, the, the, those guys have, like I said, they've embraced the challenge and, and they've gotten better and they've gone out and done it. And um, it all starts with their, their their approach and how they prepare. And the guys came in in great shape. And, uh, you know, it's a special group. I really like some of the Packers' ancillary pieces. Is it, When we talk about the running backs as wide receivers, that's a little different. Aaron Jones is a superstar. He's a superstar running back. Yes, he catches a lot of passes too, but I... I don't consider Aaron Jones to be an ancillary piece in the wide receiving core, right? We're talking about MVS, EQ, Alan Lazard. We're talking about the actual wide receivers. And I really like some of their pieces, Alan Lazard especially. But I, I, I don't think they're going to matter this weekend. I don't think they should matter this weekend. And this is, this is, this is a big deal. This is, I'm kind of unveiling a new take here, and we're going to get into this on the other side of this break. I want to talk about Devontae Adams and how... Contrary to popular belief in Packer fandom right now, I actually don't think this weekend is going to be about MVS. And I don't think it's going to be about Alan Lazard. I think this weekend is about two people on the Packers offense. Two. I think it's about Aaron Rodgers, and I think it's about Devontae Adams. And, okay, Alan Lazard might have a couple of catches. Hell, might even score. Right, but I don't think this game is about Alan Lazard. I don't think this game hinges on whether or not MVS can have 100 yards and a touchdown. I don't think this game is even about Robert Tunyon or Mercedes Lewis. I think this game is about Aaron Rodgers, and I think this game is about Devontae Adams. And that's that's kind of contrary to what a lot of people are saying, because a lot of people expect double or triple teams to be sent Adams' way, and then it's up to the other guys to make plays, right? How long We've heard about that for months. I understand that logic. But I don't think this game is about MVS and Alan Lazard. As great as, great as they are, and I'm fans of them both, and I want them both to succeed. I think this game is about Aaron Rodgers, and I think it's about Devontae Adams. And honestly, 
That's it. Everything else is just, it's, it's noise. It's details to me. I'll explain myself, and we'll talk more about that coming up next. This is going to be a fun Wisco Sports Show. I also want to talk just for a couple of minutes about the Bucks coming up at the end of this hour because I promised I said we would. So all of that coming up in just a few minutes. We'll be back in about five, and I'll explain to you. Don't worry about MVS. Don't worry about Lazard. This is about Adams, and it's about Rodgers. That coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. show rolling on hope you're having a good night a good week so far and you're not driving yourself crazy waiting until sunday waiting until the nfc championship game my name is grant bills you can text the show 608-796-2558 our friend doc bakken uh texts in says grant i will say that i think the o-line needs to have a good day for rogers to have a great day both will happen and the packers will win no i agree i i'm not super concerned about the offensive line I think they've proven that they're kind of a given, that they're going to perform, and they stepped up big last week. I, I think they will step up in a similar way this weekend. And they had a bad performance against the Buccaneers the first time around, but Devontae Adams talked about this last week. Devontae Adams basically admitted that the Packers' offense and the coaches, they got caught with their pants down because they had no plan at all for what to do if the Buccaneers decided to blitz, which, to a layman, seems like a bit of an oversight, like maybe you want to... Maybe you want to have a plan for that. But they didn't have a plan. And he said the rest of the year, they were much different in the way they prepared and, and gotten ready. And, and they had everything in the back of their mind when putting game, game plans together. So I think the offensive line was done a little bit of a disservice in that game. Because they Buccaneers started blitzing and the Packers really didn't have a plan for it. So I think the offensive line, as great as they have been, will continue to be at least pretty darn good this weekend. And I agree. You got to keep Aaron Rodgers clean. You got to keep him clean. You do. Uh, coming up in about 15 minutes, we're going to talk about the Bucks. I said on yesterday's show that if the Bucks played an interesting game last night, we'd talk about it for a few minutes. The game was very interesting. It came down to the wire, even though the Packers lost. So we will talk about that coming up in about 15 minutes, as promised. Right now, new take. Brand new take, everybody. This brand, brand new material. I'm not rehashing. We're not listening to an interview. This is a brand new take, a brand new opinion. I feel pretty strongly about this one. So a personal story as to how this all started, and a sneak peek into how my weird brain works. I was in the shower last night. It's the end of a long day. I always shower before I go to bed because I I don't like getting into bed if I'm not squeaky clean. I like going to sleep and just being clean. So I was showering right before bed, and I had just listened to an NFL podcast, and I had done some reading. So I was thinking about football, and I was thinking about the Packers, and especially about Devontae Adams. And in the shower, of all places, I was thinking about how Devontae Adams has, has really gotten better Every week. Now, I don't know if the numbers flesh it out. I don't know if his production has increased every week. I mean, he started the season hot, and he really hasn't tailed off. He was injured for a couple of weeks. I think it took a week for him to get back into it after the injury, and that was the Tampa Bay game, coincidentally. But hasn't your opinion of Devontae Adams just only gotten better as the season goes on? Just better and better and better every week. I'm more confident in Devontae Adams every game they play. I'm just boosted and more confident in the Packers' number one wide receiver Devontae Adams, and I keep thinking about that. And I I can't get this comment out of my head. He made this comment after Saturday's game in his postseason press conference or his post-game press conference, 
And he was asked about what did him and Jalen Ramsey talk about before the game? And this is what Adam said. And it wasn't in a disrespectful way or nothing like that. Just because, I, like I said, I respect Jalen as a player. So um, I just said, look, I'm not some of the dudes that you covered. So I just want I just want you to come with me and, and follow me everywhere. And um, let's let's get to people what they uh, what they came here for. Um, imagine. Imagine being a wide receiver in the league. You're about to match up against the best corner or one of the best corners. Certainly the most physically gifted, one of the most versatile corners in the league, Jalen Ramsey. He's good at everything. Imagine going up to him before the game and saying, uh, hey, just so you know, those other dudes you've been covering, they ain't me. I'm on a different level. So I'll tell you what. You follow me around all day today, and let's put on a show for everybody who's watching. Imagine that. Imagine having that confidence and and really like it's kind of confidence with no swagger at all and I, I don't mean that as an insult to Devontae Adams but he you see how matter-of-factly he stated that he's like hey I'm I'm just so you know dude I'm I'm not the same as some of those wide receivers you've been covering um just follow me around today and let's put on a show these people have been talking about it all week let's go it's just like a matter of fact like a teacher in front of a classroom two plus two is four I'm not some of the dudes you covered so follow me around let's put on a show Imagine having that confidence. And I've been thinking about that for the last two, three days, ever since I heard that after the game on Saturday night. Devontae Adams has that confidence, but it's not in a cocky way. It's not in even a boisterous way. It's just a belief. He believes that he's the best wide receiver in the game. And he's played like he believes that he's the best wide receiver in the game all season long. And I get more confident in Devontae Adams with every game that he goes off because he keeps going off. And he's good at everything. He's good at absolutely everything, which means there's no bad matchup. There's no bad situation. There's, a, there's no tough spot you can put Devontae Adams in because he's so good at everything. He will be able to unlock any door that's put in front of him with his route running or with his hands or with his head or with his feet or with his speed. He's gotten faster this season somehow. I, I don't know how, but, but he's gotten faster. He, he's more physically dominant now than he was two or three years ago, seven years into the league. And it's this complete war chest of skills that he has that allows him to just decimate any cornerback that attempts to cover him in single coverage. He was the highest graded wide receiver versus single coverage for this entire season, according to Pro Football Focus. He, he graded out at a 96.4. The next closest was Stephon Diggs at 94.3 and then Justin Jefferson at 94. So he separated himself by two percentage points. I guess just a little bit over two percentage points over the next closest wide receiver in one-on-one coverage. Because he just has a war chest of skills with which to dip into and use in any particular matchup against any particular corner. And he'll succeed for this reason, even against the best cornerbacks, even Jalen Ramsey. And that's just how football works in 2020 and 2021, because that's how the game is designed. The wide receiver has the advantage over the cornerback, right? And that's why Devontae Adams, as we've talked about, basically has a floor of seven catches, 70 yards, and probably a touchdown because he's that good. Even the best individual cover corners can't really hold him below that. Devontae Adams has been great. He believes he's the best. And if Devontae Adams is that good, and I believe that he is, and we've seen it, and the numbers back it up, and if Aaron Rodgers really has found enlightenment and a new purpose and a new motivation to compete and play football in the year 2021, if if those things are the case, then go beat Tom Brady and advance to the Super Bowl for the first time since 2010. Damn it, do it. If Devontae Adams is that good, he believes it, we believe it, we've seen it, the numbers flesh it out. If Aaron Rodgers is really back, 
back again. And he's found MVP form again, and he's going to win MVP. And he really does love Matt LaFleur, and he loves the system, and he finally has an NFC title game at home. Then, damn it, go get it done on Sunday. And I don't really want to hear any excuses afterwards. For me, it's, it's kind of that simple. And I'm not losing sleep this week over Lazard or MBS or even Tunyon. If Adams and Rodgers are feeling themselves to this extent, as we've seen, I, no excuses. None. We saw Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs do it on Saturday. Those two single-handedly beat the Baltimore Ravens at home. Well, that and the fact that the Ravens can't throw the football. Diggs had eight catches for 106 yards and a touchdown. Diggs and Josh Allen really carried an offense all by themselves and won a game. And you know what? I believe Aaron Rodgers is that good at this moment, and I certainly believe Devontae Adams is that good in this moment. So I don't want to hear anything about needing another wide receiver in the draft, about needing another offensive lineman, or or needing another weapon to help. No, 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 no. I don't want to hear it. Adams is that good. Rodgers is that good. I don't care about MVS. I like Alan Lazard, but I don't care about him at this particular moment. If Adams is that good, and if Aaron Rodgers is that good, well, then go make the friggin' Super Bowl. I'm talking about I'm talking about 12 catches, 200 yards, and two touchdowns. That's what I'm talking about. Feed the man. Feed him every play you possibly can. Don't worry about forcing him the ball. Don't worry about overworking him. This is the NFC Championship game. He's the best wide receiver in the game with an MVP quarterback. Give him the ball. I don't care about MVS. I don't care about Tunyon. I don't care about Dominique Daphne or Jay Sternberger or Mercedes Lewis. Throw number 17 the ball. I, the, the way I think about Devontae Adams right now is unlike the way I really think about any other athlete in the state of Wisconsin. In my mind, he is the one true, unimpeachable Wisconsin athlete we have right now. Okay, well, excluding possibly Craig Council, but that's not, that's not what we're focusing on right now. Like all of our other players, all of our other superstars, and, and I'm going to stick with pro sports and not college for the time being just because it's, it's a little bit easier to discuss and it, it's not as messy. You talk about Aaron Rodgers. You can levy certain criticisms against him, right? He's been poor statistically in NFC Championship games, right? His leadership has been drawn into question. I'm not in that locker room. I don't know him personally, so I'm not going to do that, but I didn't love his body language in the NFC title game last year, right? I didn't love his body language against Tampa or, or, or last year against the Niners in the regular season as well. I, I get that. I get that criticism. Now, if you're an idiot, you can make the criticism that he's only won one Super Bowl, I suppose, sure, and I have... I don't really have a counter to that other than you don't watch football and you don't know very much, right? But there are fair criticisms that you can levy against Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't like talking about rings, but there are fair criticisms. You, There's a lot of fair criticisms about Giannis right now. The limited offensive game argument is real. The idea that he doesn't have a huge bag of tricks to go into on offense, that's real. That's true. The free throw thing is real. And I, I don't go out of my way to wake up in the morning and hate on certain athletes. Well, maybe some. But, like, there are people who hate on Aaron Rodgers. And if they make the right arguments, I understand where they're coming from. There are people who hate on Giannis. And if they make the correct arguments and they, you know, they speak it well, I, I, I understand it. And I can't really argue with it. I cannot fathom one realistic fair knock on Devontae Adams right now. I can't. I think he's the one unimpeachable athlete that we have on any of our sports teams. He's that good. There, there, you, you can't go, well, Adams is great, but... Well, yeah, he might be the best wide receiver in the game, but what is it? What, what, is, he not, what is he not good at? What is one thing that you can criticize him? I, I can't find a single thing. And for that reason, coupled with Aaron Rodgers playing like an MVP, I, I don't really care about MVS. 
or Lazard or Tunyon or go down the rest of the list of every other secondary weapon that we have been lectured for months. They need to step up and they need to play well. And if MVS has a drop, God, it could prevent them from making the Super Bowl. You know what? No. No. It's Adams and it's Rodgers. Figure it out. And if Devontae Adams can go for 220 yards and two touchdowns, then damn it, that's how you win the game because it's that simple to me. You play through your best players and you don't worry about necessarily needing to establish the run or maintain balance. No. Get the ball to your playmaker. And right now, Devontae Adams might be the best playmaker in the NFL. At least the best playmaker not named Travis Kelsey or maybe Stefan Diggs. I'm not worried about the other guys. This is Adams and it's Rodgers. I know that's that's a little bit contrarian right now. Most people are concerned. Well, if Lazard doesn't step up or if MVS doesn't step up. No, I'm going to... I'm going to approach this from the other way. The Packers have all they need to get past the Buccaneers at home on Sunday. Number 12, number 17. That's it, in my opinion. That's all that matters. Let's take a break. Talk about the Bucs when we come back. This will be fun. A little change of pace. I promised yesterday if the Bucs played an interesting game, we'd do it. All right, let's talk about them. Coming up next, final segment until after 5 o'clock here on the Wisco Sports. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. I'm in charge here. Talking Wisconsin sports until 6 o'clock. A lot of Packers tonight, but we're going to take a break here and there. Want to talk hoops for a couple of minutes. And coming up right before 6 o'clock, I want to do something kind of fun. I actually want to talk about Deshaun Watson. And I understand that Deshaun Watson does not play for the Packers. He doesn't play in the Packers division. Hell, he doesn't even play in the Packers conference. So maybe there's not a Wisconsin connection, but I'm, I'm going to make one. And I'll just tell you right now, I'm not going to suggest that the Packers should trade for Deshaun Watson. That's not what I'm going to say. But I will connect Deshaun Watson to the Packers' six degrees of, of separation type of thing. So that'll be right before 6 o'clock. And right now, I want to talk hoops. I want to talk about the Bucks. And I forgot over the commercial break to pull up the box score of the Bucks game for reference. So give me one moment. <clears throat> there it is. Bucks lost to the Nets last night, 125-123. Thank you for uh, bearing with me through that uh, short delay. <laughs> Yesterday's show, I think we came to an agreement at the very end of the show. And I said, look, Bucks play the Nets tonight. That's a fascinating matchup. And if the Bucks play a good game, and if the game is interesting, we'll take 10 minutes to talk about it. We'll chat about it. And if not, if the Bucks blow them out, or if the Bucks get blown out, or if the game is boring, we'll stick with the Packers. Fine, no, no skin off our back, right? We can talk about the Packers all week. Well, last night's game was very interesting. This is a very good game. Unfortunately, the Packers didn't win. And fortunately, however, the Bucs didn't win. But fortunately for us, the game was on TNT. So we could actually watch it. Because I know a lot of you who get your cable through newer age services like Hulu Live or YouTube TV or maybe Sling. Right? Sinclair and Fox Sports Wisconsin, they're in a little bit of a kerfuffle right now. So we can't, uh, we can't watch Right, and it's it's not even Fox anymore, but it's it's such a mess, right? Because Fox sold off everything to Disney in that huge merger that was what a year or two ago now. But Disney wasn't allowed to keep the regional sports networks like Fox Sports Wisconsin and Fox Sports North. So Disney had to divest those. That's the correct word, right? Divest, the opposite of invest, something something like that. And Sinclair bought them up, and now Sinclair is like, well, screw Hulu, screw YouTube TV. Nah, we're not we're not doing that. So there's all of these NBA fans across the country that can't watch their teams. On the regional sports networks, Bucks fans included, myself included. So we watched on TNT last night, and God bless TNT. They even stayed with the game all the way until the end, which they have been known to not do so far this season. If the Bucks are playing a good game, oh, we'll just cut away from the Bucks. We'll show another game, which I, 
Love that that became a thing this year. It's been difficult to watch the Bucks for a lot of us. So last night, we had a great opportunity to sit down and watch, and it was a great game. Brooklyn ended up winning by two points in what was a back-and-forth, very competitive game in Brooklyn. Basically came down to who hit the game-winning shot. Both of these two teams were very content to just play back-and-forth basketball at the end and wait for the final possession or two, and then, of course, play superstar isolation basketball, let James Harden you know, get in single coverage, let Kevin Durant get in single coverage and, you know, see if one of these superstars just can't hit the one shot to decide the game. So if you're a college basketball truther and you can't stand the NBA, last night's game at the end, maybe maybe a little annoying for you. I know I talked to one of my coworkers today and he, he was underwhelmed. He's like in college basketball, the last couple of minutes, it's back and forth and they're fighting for every inch. And in the NBA, these players and these coaches just kind of let the clock run down to the bottom and well, we'll let our best player, you know, hopefully make a play. And that's basically what it came down to last night. Kevin Durant made the play. Chris Middleton didn't. Chris Middleton had two opportunities to to hit a game-winning or a game-sealing bucket, and he didn't. And then Kevin Durant did because Kevin Durant is that man. And that was basically the story of the night. I know there was some disagreement with the clock, and the Bucks probably should have had a couple of more seconds at the end uh, than they did. And listening to Coach Bud's press conference, it wasn't exactly inspiring. It didn't seem like Coach Bud worked too hard to, to get some of that time back. That's typically what happens, right? The clock is stopped. And then the coach appeals, and then the, the, the scorekeeper's like, okay, we're putting X amount of time back on the clock. There was none of that last night. And Coach Bud in his postgame presser was like, no, I didn't, I didn't appeal at all. I wasn't a part of that conversation. It's like, oh, God, Bud, please, please get, get somebody to coach through these press conferences. If you're asked if a season is championship or bust, you say yes, always. If you're asked about why there was no time put back on the clock, don't come out and say, well, I don't know. I didn't ask. <laughs> like, that's not a no no, bud, you lie. Lie. Even if even if you didn't, lie. Self-preservation, man. This a press conference is basically a chance for you to, to do PR for yourself and for the team. And you're uh not exactly do, you're not exactly killing it right now, Coach Bud, in in that department. I don't care about the clock. It's it, we'll be over it in two weeks. It, the the game came down to me, Chris Middleton, Kevin Durant. That was the difference at the end. And this morning I was on Ebo's show in Madison on the zone, and Ebo basically did this fancy, long-winded question to basically ask me if Chris Middleton was a real number two or not. Because we've, ne- we've never had that conversation before. And I'm not ripping on Ebo at all. It was a great conversation. But I- have we not moved past this? Like, Chris Middleton is very, very, very good. He's very good. And he's having, once again, for like the third year in a row, a career best year. Because it turns out, when you don't have a pumpkin named Jason Kidd coaching a basketball team, a player like Chris Middleton will get better. And it turns out that when you upgrade a point guard from Eric Bledsoe to Drew Holiday, oh, what do you know? Chris Middleton, once again, gets better. He's been efficient. He's been effective. He's been lethal at times. And he was lethal against Dallas on Friday night when he hit two, two huge buckets at the end to really seal that game from Milwaukee. Now, I know that game was on Friday, so we never got a chance to talk about it, and we forgot about it over the Packer game in the course of the weekend, but I remember, I don't forget, Chris Middleton was tremendous on Friday night. Yeah, he had an opportunity to win last night's game, and he didn't. Brooklyn's really good, and Kevin Durant is really, really good. This loss isn't the end of the world. Not at all. In fact, if you just look at the records, you know, fan reaction, it would make it sound like Brooklyn is 10-2, and and Milwaukee is, you know, five and six. It's not the case at all. Milwaukee's nine and five. Brooklyn's nine and six. And I know Brooklyn's dealt with some injuries and stuff. Most teams have. It's so, so early. And most importantly, Brooklyn is really, really, really good. I have two takeaways, both of which I think are very important. Number one, Giannis played 40 minutes last night. That may not seem significant, 
But for Giannis, under Coach Bud, it is. In a regulation game, a game that hasn't gone to overtime, Giannis has never played 40 minutes in a game before. I think we are going to see a different approach from Coach Bud this year, playing Giannis a little bit more, working him a little bit harder, and not keeping him at a cushy, you know, 34, 35 minutes a night, maybe like we saw previously. This is a top-heavy team. It's more driven by superstars, Drew Holiday, Giannis, and Chris Middleton, than driven by depth, which is what we saw the last couple of years. And if you're going to drive a team through your superstars and it's going to be top-heavy, well, your top players, your superstars are going to have to play a lot. This is how it works. And I think that's what we're seeing from the Bucks. The other takeaway that I had was the Bucks bench. It was very, very quiet. Uh, Bobby Portis had four points. Augustine had two. Pat Connaughton had nine, only because he took five threes and by the hand of God was able to make three of them. Bryn Forbes had four points. That is about it. DJ Wilson, Torrey Craig, Jordan Wara, Sam Merrill, none of them played. If the Bucks bench is quiet, they're probably going to lose. That, that's going to be an evolving story that we'll have to follow all year long. The Bucks bench is so, so important because if they play well, it'll be really tough for this Bucks team to lose. Now, if they're quiet and if they don't score a whole lot, it'll be a lot tougher, especially against a team like Brooklyn. And if Bobby Portis would have scored a measly 12 points last night or DJ Augustine would have scored a measly 10, barely scratching double digits, well, then the Bucks would have won. And we're not talking about Chris Middleton being a real number two. And we're not, we're not talking about Coach Bud being kind of a dope and, and not appealing for more time at the end of the game. We're just talking about a regular season win for the Bucks that went pretty darn well. So pay attention to the bench. Pay attention to Giannis's minutes. Other than that, you know, drink a cool glass of water, take a deep breath and move on. They play the Lakers on Thursday, so we'll be okay. Let's take a break, get back into the NFL, talk about NFL coaching, about Matt LaFleur, and we'll hear from Aaron Rodgers coming up later on in the show as well. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name, Grant Bills. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. 